0: Hello, this is Joel Johnson, and here we are coming at you with another Rainmaker Evolution podcast. Just a real quick reminder, anything that is said by me, by our special guest, um, you need to run it by your compliance uh, department. Don't you know, don't come after me. Don't come after Advisors Excel if you do something foolish and screw up. So that's my version of a disclaimer. With that said, we continue with our series of talking to some of the top offices around the country. I'm really excited about our special guest today. Um, He's been somebody that I have watched and listened to for a long time. He's got some unique gifts as far as his way of speaking and illustrating and telling stories that have made him a Uh, a phenomenal producer, and just helped him build a great business. So uh, we have today Philip Allen. And Philip hails from, what is it, South Carolina, Philip?
1: Greenville, South Carolina.
0: Philip, Greenville, South Carolina. So very close to Clemson, that uh, football powerhouse down there. And uh, welcome, Philip. How how are you today?
1: I am great. I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, Clemson is the University of Greenville, South Carolina. So we're pretty excited about uh, football these days.
0: Well, I've been by Clemson because I remember getting off at the exit, and there are these big paw prints going up the road. Um, But more importantly, one of those great landmarks of the South, which is a Waffle House right there at the Clemson exit.
1: Now that's pure nutrition right there.
0: It is. Sticky tables and pure nutrition. (laughs) So anyway, <laughs> Philip, um welcome. Let's start out by just uh you know, who are you? Who's Philip Allen? Tell us a little bit about yourself uh inside the business and outside the business.
1: Well, Common Sense Retirement Planning is who we do business with in Greenville, South Carolina. Uh I've been in the business, the securities business for 34 years. It wasn't a well thought out plan, but when I got out of college, I had a degree in business and didn't know what to do. My brother worked for a broker dealer, sort of like uh, Edward Jones, wasn't Edward Jones, but uh, didn't know what to do. He said, I think I can get you on at the broker dealer. So they gave me a potted plant and a telephone. And back in 1985, I told people about this new concept called a mutual fund. And uh, that's how I got started in the business. And it's turned out well, it fits my personality. But uh, as, as the business grew, uh, I ended up uh, meeting my business partner, Tony Dale, uh, who was at the time was the weatherman uh, in this area, and he decided not to be the weatherman anymore for some reasons that uh, uh, you can ask me about in the future. But I, when I heard that he was not going to be the weatherman anymore, I thought, hey, I bet he knows everyone. And I talked with him. Uh, We became best friends and business partners and started on our journey of common sense retirement planning. And in in our area, we're sort of the original retirement planners in this area. We were annuity based almost exclusively. We did some mutual funds, but we were almost all annuities. We were the safe money people in the area. But everything basically was built around the radio. And, uh, then as we started to grow, we outgrew our, uh, uh, FMO and it, we went to advisors Excel. And, uh, that's when our business really took off. Uh, once we got to advisors Excel, but we have a very successful, uh, radio presence in the upstate of South Carolina in Greenville, Spartanburg and Anderson. Um, uh, and we do radio in a unique way. Most of our clients come in through the radio, but now we're also doing, of course, the things that we're learning through Rainmaker, the steep seminars. We're doing some, uh, steakhouse seminars. But in the past, it was all radio. I think, uh, I think the reason that we didn't do seminars was because the first seminar I ever had, Joel, uh, 30 years ago, someone died at it. And, uh, <laughs> that just put me, That just put me off on seminars. The first seminar I ever gave, uh, a lady died at it. Uh, So uh, we tell people now that if everybody lives through the seminar, we're going to consider it successful.
0: Oh, I probably shouldn't have laughed at that, should I have? Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, at the time, I didn't laugh about it. Uh, it, Well, since you all are probably interested, uh, I gave – I'd been practicing this seminar to give. This was almost 30 years ago. Uh gave a great seminar, I thought. Uh, afterwards, everyone had their meal. Uh, the last people to leave was an elderly couple. She was on a walker and her husband was on a cane. I opened the door for her to go outside the hotel. Instead of going down the handicap ramp, she went over the curb with the two first rungs of the uh, walker and then she did a swan dive head first into the concrete. Uh, her hair went one way, her teeth went the other, and she didn't move after that. Uh, so, uh, kind of put me off on seminars. I got home that night, and my wife asked me, how, How'd the seminar go? And I said, Not too good. So, but it was uh, after that, honestly, I didn't give many seminars for a long time.
0: Oh, I was wondering how long it would take this podcast to go in this direction. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: Well, I'll, I'll try to keep it focused. I'll try oh, to keep it focused.
0: That's quite all right. So so tell us about your business today. What, um, what how, many, how many people, um, I know you do the radio show, you've already said that, but how, how many staff people do you have? How many people that are also meeting with clients? Um, how many clients and so on?
1: We have 10 total employees in the firm. We have three advisors. I have transitioned totally to I do do not give personal appointments anymore. Uh, I have three uh, lead advisors, uh, but ten total support staff and advisors.
0: Okay. And how many clients approximately?
1: Um, We have a lot of clients because in the past, you know, with we were just doing exclusively fixed indexed annuities for years and you don't have to have any customer service, but, but one time a year. So you can have a lot of clients. Plus we're more middle income based in this, this area, it's a manufacturing area. Uh, but we probably have, um, you know, 300 a clients. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, people that, Uh, We meet with one time a year that are B and C clients, but I would say about 300 A A plus clients.
0: How how often do you meet with them, Philip? The A's.
1: Well, uh, we try to meet with them twice a year, and we try to contact them every quarter.
0: Okay, great.
1: Good, good. We just we were just 65. You know, we did mutual funds, but we were just 65 licensed uh, a little, you know, about a year and a half ago. So it's. Uh, manage money, um, that kind of thing is, um, a new to us. We do about, um, you know, we're about a $50 million a year annuity producer. Um, and we're, what we're wanting to do to scale the business, uh, we're adding the manage money and, uh, trying to take the things that you've taught us in Rainmaker, uh, where we now have a scalable business where we could double our production, hopefully in the next three years.
0: Great. Good, good. So five years back, um, compare where you are today to five years back. What were the big, what's the, if I was to have come down there and visited you five years ago, and then I didn't talk to you, didn't see your office, and I came back today, what would be the biggest changes?
1: I guess five years ago, I was a personal producer. My business partner, Tony, was a personal producer. We both had one good assistant, you know a, uh, you know a couple of more staff members, but it was basically everything was built around me, Tony meeting with the clients. We split everything fifty fifty, and we really didn't have any type of managed money component. It was all taking people's uh, money for their basic living expenses. Uh, we would almost just let Merrill Lynch manage their managed money. We'd say, look, let them you know, we just send that money away. And, um, you know, it was more of a one-trick pony. Everything depended on me. Everyone wanted to meet with me personally. And, you know, after years and years of that, um, you know, I sort of got burnt out with the personal production. And we've been through some major changes. First of all, Tony decided to retire. He now, he still works with us as far as keeping the brand on the radio, but he's no longer in the business on on a day-to-day basis. And so that was a big transition. Um, Had a big producer leave last year, a $16 million producer leave. And then the whole transition to me, not giving personal appointments. But when I first met you, Joel, you were talking about just don't do anything that's not giving you energy. Um, And personal production was not giving me energy anymore. I, you know, I just got tired of the same thing. And so it was really hard for me to, you know, step back, give, you know, take, I'm sort of a control freak, I guess we all are in a way, and let uh, the three lead advisors handle the personal production. But now that you come, if you'd come into our office now, uh, it really – you know, I feel looks like a premier financial advisory firm. Uh, thanks to your training at Rainmaker, all the help that has come from Advisors Excel, They re- over the last five years, the combination of those two things, Rainmaker and Advisors Excel, has turned me into sort of a glorified salesman to a CEO of a financial advisory firm.
0: So are you more relaxed now than you were five years ago as far as, uh, you know, sometimes people step out of the personal production and they feel like, oh, my gosh, now I'm more nervous because I don't have control of the of the sales process as much as I did. And then other people are much more relaxed.
1: I'm more relaxed. I am enjoying uh, concentrating more on the marketing, making sure that the advisors have, uh, you know, the people they need to see. Yeah, I'm much more relaxed because I was working 60, 70 hours a week, um, and it was, uh, it was very, very stressful for me. And so my blood, my blood pressures went down about 10 points. And I thank you for uh, encouraging me to look at this. I probably uh, stepped out of personal production too quick, uh, but I was ready to go. You know, you start. Uh, You get tired of answering the same questions uh, all the time. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to be nice to your clients, but I'd got to where when somebody said, uh, let me think about it, I would say, well, Bill, looking back at your past financial decisions, thinking do not seem to be your strong point. And so, (laughs) you know, when I started answering questions like that, I knew maybe I needed to let somebody else deal with these clients.
0: Yeah. I remember I was starting to get really impatient and I thought, why don't I just walk in there and throw a piece of paper on the ground and say, Hey, do we have to do this dance for 45 minutes or can you just sign? Cause we're <laughs> going to end up, we're going to end up in the same place uh, well, anyway. We can both save ourselves 45 minutes out of our life.
1: Sometimes, that, did, sometimes that didn't so work I, too well. I think, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I think that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I want to get back in there and I'll go in and talk with a client and, the other day i went in with a client and after about 5 minutes i thought that's why i don't do personal production anymore and because i can give it over to one of these younger guys or uh uh, uh ladies that work for me and you know they're not they're not jaded about it they can Talk with them, talk them through their problems, and uh, it's really going to help my production that I stepped out of personal production and did what gives me energy, which is the radio, the marketing, um, you know, and running the firm.
0: So, the year before you stepped out of personal production, how much annuity business did you do?
1: That's the, well, about fifty million. Okay, and that but but the fifty million uh, included Tony. Uh, was about half of that, and half of it was mine. And okay. so the firm was about $50 million, but if you wanted to say just me, uh, about $25 million in personal production.
0: So the reason I uh, ask that question is because so- sometimes people that are not, um, haven't been in the business as long, don't have a larger office and so on, you know, they hear you and I talking about this and they say, oh, that's the magic bullet, just stepping out of personal production and hiring a bunch of other producers. And you know, I always warn, that is not the magic bullet. If you were doing $25 million of annuity production by yourself, you had a very substantial, I mean, you just multiply that by 7% or 8% or whatever it is. You know, there's a million and a half, million eight of revenue coming in before you stepped out of personal production. And I, I always like to, you know, warn because there's sometimes there's people that are doing 5 million, 7 million of annuity production, and they they look at you or I or some of the other guys that uh, that are around advised excel and they think well that's the magic bullet just get out of personal production that is not it, it your strength your safe bet is personal production and most of us that have gotten out of personal production have gotten out of it Because we either do not have the capacity in our firm to handle all the appointments we generate from marketing, so we've got to hire other advisors, or we get to the point where we've been doing this so long that we just start, like you said, losing energy going into those first appointments, and that's the time where you step back and say, hey, I'm really gifted at marketing, I've built a great firm, it's time to narrow my focus even farther, and if I'm a great marketer and I'm a good CEO... Then why don't I step back and hire for the capacity to see all these appointments that I can generate? So just a little warning there. Right. You know, don't don't listen well, to this and listen. say the magic bullet is just hiring a bunch of producers because that brings other headaches along with it.
1: Well, it, it did. And you know some of the headaches I've had. But uh, the thing was, that's where I was. I was in a situation where, you know, it was a cash cow, uh, but I was killing myself. And, you know, I thought I was going to end up having a heart attack because I – you know, just everything was on me. And so what I what I ended up doing, I've had such a transition over the last few years. Um, at first, it hurt my profit margin, uh, but I thought I was gonna live a lot longer. So uh, I thought that was a plus. And then, what, the way I look at it, anything that I, you know, lost in a profit margin, to me, it was almost like research and development investment. And so I put a lot of effort into developing the advisors that we have now, which are just fantastic. But during that, I learned a lot. I had a $16 million producer leave me. You wouldn't think a positive, good-looking guy like me, Joel, would have anybody leave him, would you?
0: I can't even imagine. I I would work for you for free.
1: That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, Tony retired. I had a producer leave and then this transition. But now I'm so excited going into next year because we've learned your, you know, as best anybody can. But we've made a lot of progress. Let me put it that way with your Rainmaker system. Now I don't dread going into work every morning. I, I'm excited about it. Uh, my advisors are excited about their success. They had, you know, last year they had very good success with all three advisors. And so what what I feel now is because of the transition, I can now have a scalable business that I won't end up, you know, uh, just being stressed out 24 hours a day. I am finally enjoying the business again. Uh, where I can enjoy the friendships I've made there at, you know, I, the people with, you know, always look forward to seeing, you know, I could name just that Tom Mosley, David Brooks, Alfie, you know, I, I'm enjoying the friendships more. I'm enjoying the trips more. I can leave the office and, and that's a big part of it. You can leave the office and the revenue still comes in. So, uh, it was, it was a tough transition, but looking back on it, I wouldn't go back to, where it was for anything in the world.
0: That's great, that's great. What are the main factors contributing to your success if you were to pick two or three things, Philip?
1: One is the people God brought into my life. Uh, Mainly uh, Tony Dale, uh, who had such a radio and television background when he came and we became business partners. God just gave me a tremendous friend that knew so much about the radio and he said things back in 2007 that you know I look back on it but he said look people aren't going to listen to an infomercial for 10 years that we have to be somewhat entertaining along with the information and he just took my hand and so the radio show in our area is more like a talk show it's not a it's not your typical uh infomercial we have a we have an actual talk show we're now 2 hours on Saturday, two hours on Sunday, it's repeated, and one of the hours is repeated on Sunday morning, and then two hours on Sunday afternoon. But it's we talk very little now about financial matters uh, in the, talk, the actual talk show, but the advertisements are Common Sense Retirement Planning. So the radio show and my uh, uh, relationship with Tony and the expertise he brought in, To have a talk show has been important. And then we've been always very focused on low volatility investing. Uh, The low volatility investing, you know, helps the clients not have bad behavior. So we, you know, we have very happy clients because they're not scared out of their mind, you know, every time they get their statements. And so we've really concentrated on safety. Uh, and have done very well, in the, even though we're concentrating on safety, in the greatest bull market in the history of the United States. And then I guess, uh, you know, the, the last thing is I've been able to retain uh, a great, core staff of people here at the office, you know, I go into work, I try to be a blessing to my employees and not a curse. (laughs) I I don't want them dread coming to work. And we just have a core group of people that uh, are, it's really a family here. And I feel like that those three things are, you know, really keys to my success.
0: Great, great. Thank you. So if you were to go back when you started you said you started in the business in 1979 and give advice 80, to that 85 85 I'm sorry Oh you moved to green. Okay from, See this I this is me this is me being a quick start I looked at your bio. So here's here's Joel, the ADD. So I looked at your bio, and all I honed in on was the year 1979. I didn't read the fact that it said Philip was born near Shelby, South Carolina, and he moved to Greenville in 79. I just saw 1979. I figure that's when you started in the business. So, uh, so 1985. Um, so if you were to go back and talk to that person that was you back then and give them some advice, what would it be?
1: Well, I guess— I guess the biggest advice I would give is to learn to, you know, I wish I could go back and tell myself, look, learn to live in the present, uh learn to enjoy every day, you know. Uh, and I guess, I don't know, I was like a lot of people. I was always, you know, when you're struggling to make a living and you're trying to take care of your family, that kind of thing. Sometimes you're always looking, you know, into the future and you, I passed up a lot of joy in my life and things like that because I didn't learn to live in the present. I appreciate Tony. One of the first things he told me was Philip said, "You've got to enjoy every day. You find something every day to enjoy, and so uh, you know you be a blessing to someone every day, and not always be living in the future." So that would be the first thing that I would tell myself is to live in the present, enjoy it, enjoy the journey not just always be looking for the destination
0: that is great uh i I can relate to that i wish i could go back and teach my younger self to do the same and uh, i hope a lot of people listening to this that might be younger and starting out newer in the business that are feeling that how am i going to provide for my family feeling that i had hear that because one thing i've learned is you know what all that all that stress i put myself under um feeling like, as I think a lot of men do, that I've got this responsibility to my family, which sometimes is, is was overwhelming for me. I better keep running fast. And, and uh, now looking back, things have worked out quite well financially. And, and as far as all our boys are doing well, I could have certainly um, slowed down a little bit, enjoyed the present, not always being in such a hurry. And a lot of my being in a hurry was just I didn't know if it was going to be okay, you know? And um, right. and so I hope, I hope younger people hear that um, or maybe somebody that's starting a second career in this business where it's a little scary, they walked away from something else and now they're starting new and they might be in their forties and fifties, that things do turn out okay. And uh, it is so important to, to enjoy the present. So thank you for that. That was great.
1: Isn't it fun to look back on where you started? I was laughing the other day with my wife, we were driving, Toward, actually toward Clemson, uh, and we are in a little town called Easley, and I got to this one little spot, and I told my wife, I said, this is the Bermuda Triangle for me. And she said, what does that mean? I said, my car broke down in the same place five times. You know, every time I got to this one particular place, it seemed like my car broke down when I was going to people's houses. And you know, I don't do that anymore. But looking back on how much you struggled and you know, I was out every night going to people's houses, and I told her, I said, this right here is the Bermuda Triangle uh, because my car just never would get past here. And uh, so I'm very thankful for where the Lord's brought me over the years. I married my wife 22 years ago and I didn't have any children and she had four. And I thought that would be easy, so uh, it wasn't quite as easy as I thought. So I put a lot of stress on myself taking care of the children and the family. Now I have 12 12 grandchildren, and so, uh, like you said, it's turned out pretty good. You know, I married Terry, and she had four children. So maybe that goes under, she's so fine, there ain't no telling where the money went. That's what the song says.
0: There you go. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So so you told us you told us about your you know we talk in the Rainmaker a lot about the before during and after units right and so your before unit typically refer to that as all the marketing that you do and you told us that you're doing seminars you're doing steep and then your main channel which you've been using for a long long time is radio what happens when those people come in for an appointment what what is what does that whole process look like
1: all right well we have just uh... We're just in the process of naming our process, so that's uh, we're excited about that, our Common Sense Retirement Roadmap. But uh, people generally are directly calling. Uh, they'll usually go to the website first and set them an appointment through the website or call our 800 number uh, directly from the radio show, from the call to action, uh, on the advertisement, so we're very fortunate with that. The radio has a, a a big reach. people uh drive sometimes an hour uh to come and see us and at that point when they come in uh we really have sort of a uh, you know a, a three step sales process uh we you know we mail them out their shock and all package when they come in uh we have their discovery meeting where we're giving them an idea of of what we're wanting to do. But what's interesting is most of the time the people feel they know us already because of the radio show. And so that a lot of the chit chat and that kind of thing is eliminated because they know we've been on the radio since 2007. Um, And so we're a, we're a known name in this area. So that brand is, is vital. And we, so the radio is keeping the brand, but when we, when they come in, uh, they sit, I usually meet with them now. Now, as far as I don't meet, when I say I don't have personal appointments, I, I still try to meet with the client, you know, for five or 10 minutes and shake their hand and introduce them to the lead advisor. Uh, but at that point, the advisor goes from there and usually they're closing sales on the next visit when they come back in. And then everything after that is, uh, you know, just, uh, deliveries of the contracts, uh, going over their statements with them, and then establishing the rela- the future relationship that we're going to have at Common Sense Retirement Planning.
0: Do you spend a lot of time with your... Adv- how, how do you make sure your advisors are speaking to the client and conducting business in a way that fits the personality that they have heard on the radio?
1: Well, um Probably need to do a better job of occasionally just auditing the appointments um, maybe I could just bug the offices which which you which would you recommend
0: I would recommend bugging the offices <laughs> <laughs> we but, we uh, have actually that that's interesting that you say that because we have. From time to time, I'll have an advisor that's struggling. And I'll say, listen, just go in and record your appointment and then come out and we'll play through the recording, not to use it against the clients or, you know, use it for the record or anything, but I will coach them through the appointment because every time I'll hear the advisor starting to say something that doesn't make sense or they'll start using words like, well, maybe you should do this instead of telling the client what they should do and and things like that. And the advisor, a lot of times, doesn't even realize he's drifted away from the sales process. And so uh, I would recommend that. Um, But, you know, Rick Edelman has this saying, one firm, one voice. And what he means by that is he wants every salesperson across the country, every financial advisor in Edelman Financial, to be speaking to the client in the same way, not just from a philosophical standpoint about money management, but in, you know, if Rick is Well, let me put it on me. If I'm kind of a down home, folksy, very simple um, language type of a person on the radio, I better make sure my advisors are communicating that way. They need to be communicating in the way that I communicate to attract the most clients. And if they're going into this very technical, analytical approach where they're proving to the client with a bunch of documentation that you know, their investments are not doing well and they should come over here and they've got all this backup and data and everything. If they're doing that, the client feels a, a, a disconnect between what they've heard on the radio or TV and what they're now experiencing, and the client might not even know that subconsciously. So we've found it very, very important to go back over and over and over again, and now we're role-playing in our sales meeting. We're putting advisors on the spot with no notice saying, okay, I want you to role-play a first appointment with me, because it seems like that really helps to make sure that they're sticking with a message and a technique that is that fits what people have already heard from me.
1: That's a great, that's great. That's one of the things that we're probably lacking. I do, you know, I meet with my advisors every week. My advisors... Uh, and there's good and bad to this. They were trained, they really came from different backgrounds. They were more, you know, counseling backgrounds rather than financial background. And so anything they've learned, they've learned under our system, which makes them sound similar to, you know, we're all sort of on the same page of how we're dealing with clients. Um, Most of our clients are manufacturing, and they they want they don't want to be impressed with the big words and things like that. They just want to understand and feel good about who's dealing with their money and where their money uh, is being invested. And so, but I I absolutely can't stand listening to myself on the radio. And Tony just almost says, Philip, you've got to. And so I need to do that. The same thing, record those meetings with, uh, or else, you know, audit those meetings. And that would be a, a goal that I'm going to write down for next year, Joel, is that I go back and we listen to the meetings my client, uh, my advisors are having with the client and making constructive changes.
0: Yeah, it really, it really helps the advisors. They appreciate it. Um, so we talked about... The marketing. We've talked about the sales process. What happens after somebody becomes a client? What systems do you have in place? Who handles what?
1: Uh, well, my, uh, uh, I have my marketing director here with me. But uh, you know, we have broken down between A, B, and C clients about the gifts that are given, uh, and then at that point, uh, we j- they go into our. Redtail, which we use and uh, making sure that we're following up with these clients uh, on a regular basis. We're having interaction. We have uh, everything from newsletters to postcards for their annual and semi-annual. We have quarterly emails to make sure that they're coming in. They're constantly invited to come in and meet with us. And uh, if if we have clients that we haven't met with in a while, then we'll put them on put extra effort to get them in and meet with us. Uh, So when you say, let me just, let
0: me, let me interrupt you for just a second. When you say they're constantly invited in, how are they being invited in? Are they being invited by emails, by letters that go out? And so that's part one of the question. Part two of the question is how do you handle, if you're stacking up your advisor's calendars with appointments, How do you handle the fact that somebody might want to come in and now you can't get them in, or do you not have an issue with that?
1: Don't have an issue with it now. The advisors have time. Uh, The main reason is, you know, I told you we're just making a transition to the managed money. So all the past clients, a lot of those are just one time a year for the annual review on the FIA. And so now we're beginning to build a block of business where I know that I'm not going to be able to keep those managed money clients unless we meet with them. Uh, email, um, we send postcards and plus we have, uh, my advisors or the staff calling, uh, these A and A plus clients, especially, uh, trying to set up that in-person appointment on a quarterly and semi-annual basis. But, right now we have the capacity to do that because we just don't have that many big managed money clients. Now, that's going to be something that we will refine as we go forward. But the, you know, like you say, the the FIAs pay the bill and then our retirement plan is the managed money. But uh, so far, we're actually you know contacting these people in person asking them to come in for their quarterly and semi-annual reviews
0: so if you're sending out these postcards and let's say i'm a c-client of yours and i don't know what a c-client is but let's assume i have a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in an annuity um and All i right. want to come in i want to come in every two months well, how do you deal with that
1: well we don't Um uh, we have very few we have very few people on the on the on the annuity. They understand very well that nothing happens but one time a year. Now we we try to do a great job at sending out Christmas wreaths, calendars, um, uh, you know, birthday cards, uh, Christmas cards, and all those are just letting the people know that uh, we'll meet with them anytime they have a. a a new event, you know, we have a 59, you know, if they turn 59 and a half, we'll contact them. But the, on the people that just have an annuity with me, they know that they're not going to meet with us unless they have a need, but one time a year. And then also it's kind of odd because our radio show is kind of like a talk show. A lot of clients keep up with us through the radio. It's almost like a client event. I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, no,
0: that does. It yeah. it does definitely answers my question. What do you prepare for during a review with a managed money client? What what is it when they come in, what what documentation do you have to walk them through?
1: The just we have their um, you know their statements from T D Ameritrade, uh, the the personal some of the AE wealth statements. Uh, yeah. I really leave that up to the advisor uh, you know, and we need. By the way, leaving it up to the advisor is not a good idea. I know, but uh, it's usually just we sit down with them, and then we have a uh, we have a form where, with our new um, common sense retirement roadmap, we update that to see if they've turned fifty nine and a half. Do they have you know? Make sure that their wills are updated. Do they have? Do they need to talk with their CPA? Uh, you know, making sure their plan is up to date every time. Is there any, did they have any kind of life event? Uh, so you, we go through a little checklist on that.
0: So so you definitely have a process that each advisor goes through. They might use different words, but they're going through statements and account yeah. values and, and uh, making sure that everything's up to date, almost doing a, a, you know, a mini new fact finder so that you note any yeah. changes.
1: Right, because they know for sure that um, you know those annual reviews. um, As far as new business, there's a lot of new business there. If they'll, and and referrals are part of that, Uh, we we get a lot of business now from client referrals. And if if they're not doing a good job asking for those, so yes, we have a, a streamlined process on those annual reviews
0: does the does the, the advisor does the advisor dictate the summary of the review in some type of a system or or do you just have the notes
1: just the notes
0: okay and
1: uh, and and, any, and and I'm not telling I'm telling you that this is uh, you know a system that you know I want to improve on a on, on a monthly basis and so uh I know that it could be it could be done a lot better
0: well it's working pretty good right now, I would say. So um, so let's sort of kind of bring things full circle here, Philip. What If we were talking three years from now, let's pretend we're doing this podcast again, but it's the year 2023, and you had to look back over the last three years, what, have, what would have happened in your business and in your personal life for you to be happy with your progress?
1: Three years from now? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're in a good position right now that a reasonable goal would be to three years from now would be to double air production. Now I know you always have the 10 times, uh, but I really feel like we could double air production. So that means I'd only be five or six back from you. And when you go get your award at AE, uh, but, uh, but if you double your production, then I'm still just as far behind. So I'll have to figure out some way to, slow your production down. But uh, uh, I think that's my goal is I would, and there's a lot to that, but I would like to double my production. I think a uh, hundred million uh, combination, you know, on the AE elite, uh, I would be so, so proud of my staff for myself. I would feel good about that, but I don't want to double that production and not make life hell for the staff or the um, advisors. I'd like it to be where we could double that production and just have a business that uh, we really look forward to coming to every day. I think we could do that.
0: That's great. And that's so important. You know, it's one thing to double your business. It's another thing to double your business and be able to step back and say, hey, this company manages itself and I get to go in and do what I love to do. Because there's a lot of people that double their business and they're really miserable. And so, uh, so I'm glad you said that. Anything else, Philip, on this podcast that you want to communicate to to those listening? We've got quite a few listening, even people that aren't in the Rainmaker group, download this and subscribe to the podcast. So you've probably got a few hundred people listening here. What what else would you like to say?
1: Well, that's sort of intimidating to have such successful people listening. Uh, I think the thing that I'd like to say is this. We do such an important thing in people's lives Tony and I have always taken it as a mantra that our our overriding goal is to reduce the fear, the financial fear, that comes in retirement. There is a lot of angst and anxiety and fear uh, for people who give up their job, they go into retirement, 35 years unemployed is a good definition for retirement. And if you can lower the financial fear... uh, and, that's, and and you have to be, you can do that in a lot of different ways, but if, you, if when those clients are done and they say, look, I've got one less thing to worry about, and on an ongoing basis they know they've got a partner that they don't have to worry now they're going to outlive their money, they don't have to worry about this crazy market, the volatility, you've lowered the volatility as much as possible, then I believe God will bless you. Anytime you can take fear out of somebody's life, you know, that's a blessing to be able to do that. And we have, and all the advisors out there know that you, financial planning is such a personal thing and you're you're dealing with people that have been told they have cancer and now, is my wife gonna be okay? I had a client call me up in tears and say, you know, I, I, I've been, uh, last week, and he said, I've been diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease and I just want you to tell me again that my wife is gonna be okay uh with the money when I pass away. And so lowering that fear, it it's it, man, we the money's great, you know. Uh I love I thank the Lord that He's allowed me to have a comfortable life and I can be a blessing to other people. But the most if you can go into it every day with that that's my goal is I want to take fear out of people's life. I think that it'll make the business more enjoyable. You can be a blessing to those people. And I believe God will bless you uh, for that attitude.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Philip. Thanks. Uh, this has been inspirational. I appreciate your your wisdom. I think you've helped a lot of people out there, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in the in the near future here at World Series of Sales. But more importantly, I count you as a friend, and, and uh, thanks for your wisdom here that you've shared. I appreciate it.
1: Well, Joe, thank you. And I'd like to tell you something. You work so hard. I watch you at those, uh, those coaching sessions and things like that, and uh, you've helped me so much. You've, by making this transition that you've helped me with, you've given me sort of a new lease on life in the business where I thought I was going to be burnt out. And I want to thank you for your hard work and effort, and I pray that God will uh, reward you richly for it, and I look forward to seeing you at World Series of Sales.
0: Well, thanks, Philip. That's, uh, that's very nice to hear from you. And uh, this has been another Rainmaker podcast. Uh, I told you we had a special guest, and it's been uh, truly inspirational. And, and uh, I've, got, I've, I've picked up inspiration, motivation, and, and some good tips here. So thank you, Philip, and thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.